Kalimat Haramova is only 22 years old, but she's been through a lot, especially in the past two weeks. Kept under lock and key at home in Chechnya, her family beats her and even forced her to undergo so-called conversion therapy. Taramova identifies as bisexual. Last month, she reached out to a prominent gay rights group, begging them to help her reach safety. On June 6th, when she got to a women's shelter in Dagestan, a couple of hours outside Chechnya, it seemed like she was finally safe. She wasn't. Hello there, you're listening to The Naked Pravda. I'm your host, Kevin Rothrock, Medusa's English language managing editor. And on today's show, we're talking about Halimat Taramova, the young woman abducted from a domestic violence shelter in Mahachkala on June 10th and dragged back to Chechnya, where she later appeared on state television, denying any abuse at home and insisting that she doesn't even remember how she ended up in a women's shelter or how she recorded a video message to the police, begging not to be treated as a missing person. I would say that we should be extremely worried in the context of domestic abuse that we are hearing from the Chechen Republic. That's Veronica Lapina, Executive Advocacy and International Litigation Advisor to the Russian LGBT Network, which is where Halimat Taramova turned for help when she decided to escape her abusive home. She called for our assistance. She has reported domestic violence and domestic abuse on behalf of her family to our hotline, and she has been in touch with our Norris Caucasus division. How do women or, or anybody that's, that's, that's seeking to escape Chechnya, or to, to, to escape persecution or, or domestic abuse or anything like that, how do, they, how do they actually get in touch with a group like the Russian LGBT network? Is it, is it like Telegram or WhatsApp or what's, how do they do it? There are multiple means to do that. We have a hotline, which is like a phone basic landline in which you know which you can call and get to our you know get to our assistance there are multiple services that we have like online we have legal support where you can leave applications but also our phones our telegram accounts are me and my colleagues they are available because they you know they go out through the group line our chechen lgbti community is very small and it's like everybody sort of knows each other, you know, through someone. And that is why it's very easy to verify people when they apply to for our assistance. Yeah, but also that's how people get our, get the information, you know, get our telegram accounts or signal accounts. Lapana says the one positive takeaway from Taramova's appearance on state television after being returned to Chechnya is that we know she's currently still alive. But that isn't assured once the publicity surrounding her story dies down. It's entirely possible, Lapina says, that Taramova's own family could outright murder her. This kind of thing is far from unprecedented. It's what's called an honor killing. You know, the practice of honor killing and the subjection of especially women, especially younger women, to the practices of honor killings. I think this should sort of force us to be even more worried because this is a practice that some of our beneficiaries, some of the Russian LGBT networks beneficiaries have been, been subjected to. And we have lost our one person in 2017 who was also enforced, disappeared and brought back to Chechnya and then are extrajudicially executed within the context of the honor killings. For people that don't know what, what honor killing is, could you just br briefly explain what's honor killing? An honor killing is a 
practice of murdering person, mur- murdering basically a person for dishonoring a family, which is not a practice that is unique to Chechnya, but is very common in our Muslim regions and across different, you know, radical, I would say, Muslim communities. This is not something, you know, that's obviously not something we can attribute to all of the Muslim communities, but this is, uh, this is a practice that has been reported as very prominent in, in especially in, in the Muslim communities. The kinship structure in, in Chechnya, and I would now talk only about Chechnya, right? The kinship structure is extremely based on honor and on family honor. And this honor has been and is extremely valued by different family members and by this like, by, by this wider, broader kinship structure. And as soon as the person dishonors a family in any, in any way, we always see that uh, there are certain repercussions, certain sanctions that are this, this kinship structure displays to the family, to, to this person. And depending on the person's uh, gender, sexuality, age, these sanctions can be very different, right? These can be mild, sort of softer sanctions, and they can be as extreme as, as honor killings, obviously. One of the most shocking aspects of Taramova's forced return to Chechnya is that Dagestani police deceived the women's shelter before raiding the apartment. A local police officer told journalist and human rights activist Svetlana Anokhina, who was in the apartment at the time, that he was looking for Taramova and had been informed that she was there. Anokhina and one of the shelter's lawyers let the officer into the apartment so Taramova could personally assure him that she left Chechnya voluntarily. There's security camera footage showing Taramova talking to the officer, and she's holding one of the volunteer's hands for moral support while she does so. The cop took a selfie with her for his records and promised to remove her from the wanted list. Anokhina then contacted the head of the Dagestani Interior Ministry's public relations department, who confirmed that Taramova wasn't in any danger. This was a lie. Hours later, when the women were having dinner, the officer texted to say that he was on his way back to the apartment, bringing additional protection for the shelter. When the women opened the door, however, fully armed men were on their way up the stairs and in the elevator. The women tried to stop the raid, but they were dragged away and arrested. With the activists out of the way, a group of men from Chechnya walked in and grabbed Taramova. This is how Svetlana Anokhina described the incident. Hello, my name is Svetlana Anokhina. I'm a Dagestani journalist and human rights activist. I work in women's rights. Right now, at our crisis shelter, where we place women who need protection and help, our Dagestani police, together with Chechen police officers, are breaking down the door. They demand that the women inside the apartment open the door and let them inside. We believe this is a violation of our constitutional rights. There's no warrant. There was no warning. They're simply trying to break down the door. Vanessa Kogan is a human rights lawyer and the director of the Russian Justice Initiative Project, a nonprofit organization based in Russia that conducts litigation against human rights abuses committed in connection with the Second Chechen conflict and with ongoing counterterrorism operations throughout the North Caucasus region. I asked Vanessa about the relationship between Dagestani law enforcement and the groups that assist people fleeing abuse and persecution in Chechnya. I think in general, women are safer in Dagestan than they are in Chechnya, but almost anyone would be safer anywhere else in Russia right, than in, than in Chechnya. But the police, of course, often work together, especially if there's uh, a paying, say, a, a paying party. 
Uh, so corruption is a huge factor. And that's not only in Dagestan, that's also, you know, really anywhere. And it's not unique to Dagestan, this kind of situation. I mean, this is the first time that we have seen a real raid on a shelter, but police coming to women's shelters in other parts of Russia is a fairly frequent occurrence, unfortunately. And we've seen that a couple of very, even more than a couple of times in Moscow, for example, women coming from the North Caucasus from Chechnya, whose parents have been able to locate them because of corrupt police officials through, you know, facial recognition technology. And uh, they've been lured out of shelters in Moscow as well. So it's not necessarily, you know, this kind of aggressive raid, but nonetheless, very, very intensive, you know, searching and eventually, you know, they succeed in, in getting women back. So this is, but this is definitely, I would say, in terms of the police's action that they actually, you know, deceived the activists and then proceeded to actually forcibly remove them. Of course, that's a that's a step up in terms of repressive tactics. So it's extremely concerning. As you, as you see it, that's a mix of both sort of institutional patriarchy, but also just straight up corruption. People are literally just hiring these cops to to go get their people back. Exactly. Exactly. It's it's very easy to, you know, to pay off a cop to say, I'm looking for this person. This is their passport number. This is what they look like. And to have them, you know, I know that they went uh, to this city and this car with this license plate number, you know, to track, to track a person that way. And, you know, especially when you're dealing with the Chechen authorities, again, that have unlimited power, not only in Chechnya, but certainly within the North Caucasus. And, you know, as, I, as I've just said, they, you know, they can get their way in Moscow as well. And Taramova's father, as far as I understood, is actually quite close even to the leadership of, of Chechnya. So, you know, we're talking about unlimited possibilities, unlimited money, uh, unlimited resources of the law enforcement agencies to do everything in, in their power to find someone. And is it, is it just logistical or financial restraints that keep people who are fleeing from Chechnya from going farther than Dagestan. Or you mentioned that even in, you can get, this could happen in Moscow, I suppose. So is there is there nowhere safe in Russia for people that are fleeing Chechnya? My opinion is that there is no, no safe place. I mean, it does depend, again, on who's looking for you, right? I think in this case, it's safe to say, you know, someone who's close to uh, Chechen leadership, that there is no safe place in Russia. And you know, who, who knows where they would be, where there would be a safe place, because that's so much part of the Chechen leadership's policy now, right, is to essentially make all Chechens feel that no matter where you are, you're always surrounded, we'll always find you and, you know, exploiting even diaspora communities in, in Europe in particular to locate people and, and intimidate them. I asked Veronica Lapina the same question, and she told me that the farther away you can get from Chechnya, the better. But every person faces unique challenges. It depends on the context and it depends on personal situations. It's always a different case, case scenario, right? We have had women who fled their houses without any documentation, right? They didn't have their passports. They didn't, they, like, they, they walked out of their houses like barefoot in their pajamas. This was the only opportunity for them to leave this house. And in this situation, they need some temporary, right, some temporary place somewhere nearby to sort of, you know, to just get some, some, some basic footwear. 
And for us, as you know, as human rights defenders to sort of see how we can make sure that she can travel because traveling right without any without any legal documents actually, you know, is a major challenge. Even traveling by car, if you know, if someone stops you at the checkpoint, as you know, there are a lot of checkpoints in in, in the North Caucasus, this can be an issue. You can be easily reported to the police. And the other issue is that if a woman from the Chechen Republic, and this is specifically concerns the Chechen Republic, and, and this is, this is my, also my knowledge about the Chechen Republic, because we mostly work with, with, with women from that region. If a woman flees her house, if a, vo- if a woman flees her family, are, there will be a search warrant filed by her family to the police saying that, you know, this woman has, you know, the woman has left us. She's lost. She has been disappeared. She has been kidnapped. And so after, I don't know, after 24 hours, she will be in the, in the police database. As I mentioned at the top of the show, Helima Taramova recorded a video address to law enforcement stating that she left home of her own free will as an adult and did not wish to be treated as a missing person. That video is now widely available on social media. Today, June 6, 2021, I, Halimat Ayubovna Taramova, voluntarily left home to escape regular beatings and threats. Please do not declare me a missing person and do not share information about my whereabouts, as this will endanger my life. About a week later, when she was back in Chechnya, Taramova appeared on state television and said, smiling, that she couldn't remember how she ended up at that shelter. It's all a fog, she told cameras, recalling that she'd gone to Mahachkala to meet with a psychologist to treat alleged mental health problems. I asked Vanessa Kogan if there's any room for interpretation here, but she says this is essentially political theater, and the Kadira regime is merely protecting its reputation. The official story seems to be that, you know, Chechnya's uh, enemies somehow exploited some mental illness that she has, uh, which is apparently an allusion to... The, the reports that she's a lesbian, I, I imagine. And, you know, they tricked her into denouncing her family. The whole thing sounds pretty absurd, but I wondered, is it at all plausible that, that outsiders have sort of misunderstood this case? Because I guess, you know, the Chechen regime's version of events is that that's what's happened. And I suppose it's possible that, that you know, I, as an outsider, am just missing some kind of cultural context here. Is, there, is, this, a, is this potentially a case of cultural relativism? I mean, like, is, there, is there any... Any argument to be made in that in that regard? You know, it's difficult to to say, and it, it's 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 so delicate, really, because you know we don't have contact with with this young woman, and you know it doesn't feel right to to speculate, and you know because she doesn't have a voice of of her own. I mean, uh, my view is that what she says on TV, she has been you know pretty much ordered under pressure to say. Now, that's not to say that none of it is not true. You know, of course, to to take the decision to leave your family and put your life at risk is, you know, it's a, it's a huge upheaval. Perhaps she does have regrets. Perhaps, you know, I mean, it's that's she's only human, right? Maybe she doesn't wish that she's that she actually did it. That, of course, we can allow for that because it was a huge, huge risk and, you know, it's completely blown up. So, you know, of course, on a human level, it's, it's completely possible that, you know, she's actually you know, glad to be home. You know, at the same time, I think the, you know, we, she did have testimony. She did testify that she was being abused and that she was not 
free to, you know, to be herself, to express her sexuality, that she was being, um, you know, subjected to domestic violence at home, that she was being, she was under treatment, medical treatment against her will. And all of that, you know, falls under the Convention on Human Rights, International Convention on Human Rights that Russia has signed up to, and some of it would fall under the definition of torture. So, you know, when it comes to that level of rights abuse, I don't think that we can talk about any kind of culture of relativism at all. And, you know, it's not as if she, you know, has, has hadn't gone on record to, to talk about it, right? It's, it's not speculation. She's actually, there is footage of her speaking about it when she was free to do so. Now she's not free to do so. But I think that, you know, and again, to mention, this is not the first case where we've seen women returned and then paraded out in front of the television cameras to give a different version. So it, it, even though it sounds completely absurd, this is this is how the regime reacts essentially in order to what they think is protecting their reputation. That's that's just it's it's a it's a narrative. It's a narrative that you know that was actually quite I guess you could say quite expected. And given all of the circumstances of the case, of course, it could have turned out worse, right? If she hadn't turned up at all after being kidnapped from the shelter and taken back. I think that would be even more concerning, obviously. The fact that she's on camera and she's alive for the moment, of course, that's still a better outcome than what could have been or what might be. Veronica Lapina was even more direct when I asked her about this. I would say that there is no space for relativism here because this is a very this is a very oppressive regime for women. Because of the nature of my expertise and the nature of my profession, I am following various discussions, you know, radical discussions on the Chechen community and various pro-Kadyrov bloggers and anti-Kadyrov bloggers. And when anti, you know, when, when political dissent from Chechnya, they have already learned and sort of how to uh, accept, I would say, like, accept LGBTI issue and like sort of, you know, come into terms that, you know, we LGBTI people exist and this is, you know, this is a problem. Even the dissent cannot accept the fact that woman is a human being. I was in hot water. If you know that there is a Telegram channel, Adopt One, I think it's it's called. They have dedicated a, like a special post for my commentary on TV Rain because I said that a woman is not a human being in Chechnya, and there was such a such a debate about this and such a critique towards towards this. But I would be very happy to sort of retract this, you know, the statement if I meet one person and we have we have provided assistance to quite a lot of women if i if i see with my own eyes one case or uh, one case scenario when a woman just walks out of their house in chechnya and no one follows her there are no threats posed to to her you know she has all the right to leave her house and go and do whatever she whatever she wants to do this would be great and then i could say you know then i could say that yes sure this is you know this is i'm wrong in this but until then i think this is this is unfortunate unfortunately there is no room for for relativism here which 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 saddens me In Chechnya, do people actually believe what they're seeing when people like Teremova 
are paraded out on on state TV, you know, after a public scandal, and they're shown to be apologizing or walking back, you know, whatever caused the controversy. I mean, is this is this meant to be convincing theater, you think, or is it just kind of a display of sort of raw power? Like, why do you think this is a regular feature of political theater in, in Chechnya? I I think so. I mean, I think that you know, I mean, this case again, it's it's very sensitive, and you know, the whole topic of of so-called sexual minorities and the LGBT community in Chechnya is is indeed extremely sensitive and you will not find the average Chechen that would talk openly about the subject or, you know, would admit to thinking that uh, people who identify as LGBT have any claim to rights at all. You know, certainly this is not a popular narrative. Uh, of course, there's no space to think about it there either, right? Because it's automatically, you know, what will happen to you if you sort of stray from the accepted thought narrative. Um, you know, so in this case, it might be a, maybe a little bit more ambivalent at the same time. You know, it's not only in this case that this kind of theater happens, right? I mean, if anyone cr- criticizes Ramzan Kadyrov, uh, you know, for, for whatever, for, you know, they didn't pick up my garbage this Friday. You know, he'll be on TV the next day saying, I'm so sorry, there was a misunderstanding. You know, in fact, they did pick up my garbage, but then, you know, I had more and I had to, bring, you know, I mean, yeah, it's, you know, so there's no doubt, obviously, you know, that I think people watch these kinds of things with a grain of salt, no matter what the narrative is, no matter how they feel about it. They know, of course, it's not, it's not the whole truth. You've been listening to The Naked Pravda, an English-language podcast from Medusa. On today's show, we talked about Halimat Taramova, the young woman abducted last week from a domestic violence shelter in Dagestan and brought back to Chechnya, where she soon appeared on state television, denying that she'd ever fled her abusive home. You heard from human rights professionals Veronica Lapina, executive advocacy and international litigation advisor to the Russian LGBT network, and Vanessa Kogan, the director of the Russian Justice Initiative. The Naked Pravda is a podcast from Medusa. It's our only English-language show. And I hope you recommend us to your friends and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're tuning in. And also, if you value Medusa's reporting, whether in English or in Russian, please consider making a donation at support.meduza.io en to help sustain our work. Recurring pledges help more, but we'll take whatever you can spare, of course. Thank you for listening and come back soon. Mm-hmm.